I'm Janice Lobo Sapino. And I'm Paola Rodales. And this is Panay Astrology. Two Panay's, one podcast, BIPOC poems, pop culture, and the planets. Morning, Janice. Morning, pal. How's your morning going? Um, I think that my coffee is finally like running through my system now. So I feel more alive than I did when I woke up an hour ago. <laughs> it's both mo- it's morning you? time for both me and Janice, but I'm three hours behind because I'm here in Hawaii and she's in California. <laughs> so, but it's still morning. <laughs> is your coffee working? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm a, you know, I wasn't like this in college. Like when we first met, like I couldn't take classes before 11 a.m. But I've really transformed into a morning person. Like I feel the most energy like this time of day. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that you purposefully did not take classes after 11 a.m. in college. <laughs> that is really smart. <laughs> <laughs> it really sucked because ethnic studies honors my senior year was at 10 a.m. and it was very hard. <laughs> yes, I, I, I feel that. I think especially like as a college student, that kind of adjustment is major. <laughs> Remember when, so Janice and I interned at UCSD's Cross-Cultural Center. Remember when we had a few months where we had 7 a.m. staff yes. meetings? <laughs> I, I think it was 7.30 because I remember still being in bed at 7 a.m. sometimes and just thinking, you know, I should be leaving right now to make it on time. But I didn't. I, I, sometimes I didn't. I just, that was the worst. I think it was because all of us who were interns at the Cross-Cultural Center were also student organizers and activists on campus. And a lot of us were taking really important classes that were finally like feeding our major and what would hopefully and ultimately become our careers. And so we were busy. We were all very busy people. And the only time we could find together uh, was 7.30 to 8.30 a.m., right? (laughs) Yep. And everyone was late anyway. So (laughs) it was like, what is the point of the 7.30 a.m. meeting? There was one meeting where Janice and I decided to sleep over the night before, which we were not supposed to do. You're not supposed to sleep on campus. All right. At least in a campus office building. And so we did it and we thought we'd be like sneaky enough to like wake up like early enough so that no one noticed. But no, we we totally got caught. Like we like slept in. (laughs) Yes, pal. I do still feel some guilt for that because I remember waking up at around like seven that morning and I just headed to like you know the public restroom and it was in that 10 minutes that I was away in the restroom that one of the staff members found you first and told you not to sleep over and then I came in after this reprimand and then you told it to me so I didn't get the same heat that you got and I just want to say I'm sorry (laughs) oh my god (laughs) well anyway (laughs) I was gonna say that was an idea that all of the interns concocted together and you and I were the only ones who like stuck through and did it so (laughs) that is very typical (laughs) and still holds true today we're still (laughs) the only ones when we say something we fucking mean it (laughs) 
Maybe that's a Leo thing. I don't know. You okay. just, you have to stick to your word. You're responsible to your word and then to your people. So maybe that's that. <laughs> yeah. I think so. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean I, we were like really, really busy people. Like both of us were it's kind of really like beginning or like deep in our organizing work already. And so kind of bring it back actually to last week's episode where we mm-hmm. were talking about Duterte, pres- Philippine President Duterte pardoning the murderer of J- um, Jennifer Laude. And so we wanted to um, talk about, you know, we had a few folks on Twitter kind of respond to that and just kind of bring it up as well. Um, Someone had mentioned red tagging. Um, Janice, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I um, actually didn't know what red tagging was until I saw it on Twitter. And so I guess also I just want to say like, thank you. I'm really grateful to for um, that to have been pointed out because um, red tagging is specific to the Philippines. And it is when individuals or organizations are critical of the Philippine government. And a lot of times um, the folks who are critical are labeled communists or terrorists, which as we know could be fatal for a lot of um, activists in the Philippines now. And so we wanted to bring it up because it definitely underscored like our um, American privilege and our our privilege of being away from the Philippines. Um, And I wanted to talk also about like the importance of codes. And um, I thought about this when I was reading the book In the Country by Mia Alvar. And there's there's the very last um, short story in the book is called In the Country. And it's talking about the Philippines. And um, there is a woman named Milagros who like essentially falls in love with a journalist and editor. And there's a section in the story where they're talking to each other but they're not saying the words that they really mean. So for example, there's a section where she's just looking at her partner, whose name is Jim, and then she just looks at him, and then in italics it says like, stop the presses, cease and desist. Like um, she's trying to communicate this to him by just looking, like sort of like making eyes and like using facial expressions to communicate what she means. And then he's using his words to sort of oppose what he's doing and um like there's a section where he says like i'm going to write today and then what what that means is that he's actually um either going to write about the president or he's going to write um things that are that may potentially get him in trouble so i just wanted to bring that up because like there's that that coding that happens um especially when you're doing like deep organizing and so paula and i may just like try to figure out what would be a better way to sort of like codify what we're talking about. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, there are also Filipinos who may already be kind of coming up with their code words. Like in the same way, like you see in Twitter in general, like people will like have different spellings for like words, you know, knowing that it's not going to be as easily searchable. But um, Mm -hmm. there also needs to be constant flexibility, I believe, or I would think on these kinds of things, right? Because this I think the codes would also need to constantly keep changing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, um, I, I, yeah, I'm also glad it got brought up. I mean, I know um, a lot of the folks who listen to this podcast or quite a few are in the Philippines and yes, Philams, we don't have to worry as much about, you know um, well, I know, I mean, 
I don't want to say that because I, I do also know some philams who go back to the Philippines frequently and do have to be careful about what they talk about on Twitter and on social media and other things for fear of red tagging. Mm-hmm. At the same time, too, you know, as Americans, like, I don't think we're that far away from this. Like, President Trump is going to stop downloads of TikTok tomorrow or Sunday, you know, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just in thinking about the pattern of political assault that we have essentially survived under um, the Trump regime, like I think, um, I think that says a lot too about the ways that we can connect to, like some kind of fear of government, fear of system that is like constantly embedded into our everyday, whether it's the news or um, the ways that we have to work around some of the racist and um, classist legislation. Um, And when I think of the different um, marginalized groups that I know like um, people in my community stand up for, who they show up for, a lot of times those are the people who are directly connected to a legislation that President Trump has tried to pass. Um, I'm thinking about the the anti-Muslim ban. I'm thinking about what he tried to do earlier this summer to international students. Um, I mean, the list goes on. I just, I, all of those things are sort of like dripping with their own kind of grief. And so, um, yeah, I think that we have to like really just like stay vigilant and stay critical of all government. Yeah, we were just talking, too, about Trump's 1776 commission, right? That was also the big news this week. Actually, there's a lot of big news this week. But, yes, like, it's just like, wow, okay, we're, you know, we've been in full-on fascist mode, but we're just kind of kicking it into overdrive right now. It's really disturbing. Totally, yeah, like, to this week, right? And I think the other thing is, like, I always think about when do we get certain news? Like, um, do we get it on a Monday? Do we get it on a Friday? Um, And for that news about the 1776 commission to come so early in the week, and for that to be slated or, you know, um, I guess in in many ways advertised, because he is a businessman, (laughs) advertised as patriotic American education. Um, And and I see that as another movement to counter the work and legacy, um, the intellectual tradition of ethnic studies, which has always meant to dismantle racism and stand up for um, communities of struggle in the United States. I just can't, I just, you know, like even just thinking about it and talking about it right now makes me really upset. But um, the 1776 Commission, just honestly, um, it runs counter to a lot of the work that I know like you and I do, you and I believe in. And it's hard not to take that as a personal attack. It's hard not to take it as like um, its own institutional dismantling of the things that we have worked, I think, our very short lives for. Um, Right. You know, we're both ethnic studies majors, and it's also not just Trump either. Like this week here uh, at the University of Hawaii um, was announcing that programs like ethnic studies, women's studies, different, of course, arts and humanities programs were potentially on the chopping block. And so, you know, I submitted testimony, of course, just like calling them out for proposing these cuts, especially in ethnic studies 
we mm-hmm. here in Hawaii, um, the department celebrated their 50th anniversary. It's turned out so many just like amazing graduates. Many of the people who work at my union um, either mm-hmm. studied or majored in ethnic studies here. And so um, a ton of people submitted testimony. And the good news is the Board of Regents said that they would take ethnic studies off. But mm-hmm. we have to constantly stay vigilant. And it just makes me really angry that every time there's a, you know, quote unquote budget issues or financial problems, like these are always the first programs that need to go. Mm -hmm, Totally. And it's also like really, it's important to see that as a win, but also it's really hard to, to just see it in that sort of like singular plane because there is that constant fight, that constant battle. And I think that's also aligned with the tradition of activists who have said for years, right? Like to like stay fighting, keep going, um, you know, um, dare to struggle. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I think also, um, just like really quick about the 1776 commission. Um, a lot of Twitter or writers on Twitter were talking about how it almost is meant to counter the 1619 project. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 1619 project was, um, awarded a Pulitzer prize. Um, it's, an ongoing initiative from the New York Times Magazine, and it began in August 2019. Um, and August 2019 was the 400th anniversary of the beginning of American slavery. Um, the project aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of Black Americans at the very center of our national narrative. So it's something that was definitely um, led by and centered Black life, Black writers. Um, and so I would even say like the 1619 Project is an anti-slavery um, piece of literature and it's available online and it's free, you know, um, definitely counter to, but also like akin to or attempting to be um, similar in, in impact to the 1619 Project. So yeah, let's, I don't know, there's a lot of grief in the air. Um, a lot of grief in the air. With what Paula told me yesterday, um, when we were planning for this episode, um, yesterday when I was talking to Paula, I found out that um, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. Um, I think she was 87. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Um, I was telling Paula when she told me about this that I'm reminded of the Washington Post tagline. Um, it's, um, where democracy dies in darkness. (laughs) And I really just sort of think about that, like the way that she was, um, was, and even I would say like to the last day, like hanging on fighting for gender equality and has also become a pop cultural icon. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I wish I had studied and learned more about her. Um, and I think now I will. Same. Um, it is really unfortunate. Of course, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a life lost for one. But of course, everyone's just now thinking like, shoot, like Trump can and will get one more justice mm-hmm. in the Supreme Court, a conservative, you know, fascist justice before mm-hmm. um, the general election. So it is really like extremely for- unfortunate. These justices are in there for life. And so we're gonna, you know, it seems like we're heading into definitely like a, con- a very conservative Supreme Court lineup. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just the idea that people can hold positions for life is another tool of white supremacy, right? The idea that like you may still, you may not even be fit or you may not be um, inclined to like, I don't know, to really like, I, I still think of, of jobs as crafts too, right? Like, I think that's the, the, that's the problem and that's the issue with these sort of appointments is like that person really has a hand in history. Um, and it also has, I mean, as we've seen, right, like a history in the slow death or slow genocide of so many people. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot to grieve with her passing. Um, we really grieve like a whole side of history with her passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I strangely want to know now what her signs were. I didn't get a chance to look it up. <laughs> I have not looked it up either. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, I also don't know too much about her, like, you know, the details of her life either. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember, yeah, she was, she was becoming a pop culture icon, yeah. So I remember, like, a few years ago, like, there was an article that came out about that she has, like, this, like, pretty intense like workout regimen for a woman her age so I remember just kind of seeing like a lot of that but I I do also want to acknowledge I mean I haven't looked too much into this but yeah there there's folks on Twitter who are all saying like look you know we can acknowledge that she like stood on the right side on something she didn't stand on the certain like the she didn't stand on the right side like around like just indigenous issues for example on other things Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um but, you know, nonetheless, we can still acknowledge, like, the tragedy in this. Again, it's, it's a life loss, but it, it's also, um, you know, another Supreme Court justice um, yeah. you know, opening that Trump will fully take advantage of. Yes, totally. And I think that's the other tough part is, like, the audacity, right? Like, his, um, uh, even just, like, the potential to see this as an opportunity or to see it as like a celebration, you know, or, or just like the way that his like um, narcissistic self just sort of like sees this as something that serves him, right? Like that, <clears throat> I think that to me is like one of the most upsetting things. Um, yeah. I found out that she's a Pisces son. <laughs> yeah. Her birthday was March 15th. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, her passing also just makes me reflect on, you know, when the 2016 elections were happening and Trump, before Trump got into office, actually, before the elections, I was still attending this church and it was kind of like the beginning of the end of my time over there because Mm. like a week before the election, the wife of our pastor, who was also like the worship leader, you know, so she's like a leader in the church. She posted publicly on Facebook, I don't like either of the candidates, but I am going to vote for the person who's going to get a Supreme Court justice who will vote on the right things around religious freedoms like Hobby Lobby and like allowing religious symbols on grave sites. And, uh I mean, so obviously made me angry and like sad and just all of these different things. And I ended up confronting her about it. Um, I, I, I replied on the Facebook post and also talked to her about it in person. And 
you know, after the election, I talked to her again, like it was immediately after, but before the inauguration. And I was like, how can you be a church that talks about really wanting to help immigrants and really wanting to help, you know, um, different like peoples of color, like all over the world Mm -hmm. and things. And, and then be supportive of this candidate who is saying these really awful things around about Muslims, about Mexicans, about like mm-hmm. everyone really, um, mm-hmm. except white people. And mm-hmm. her response was, do you really think he's going to do these things? Wow. And then sure enough, like, I mean, literally the very first thing that Trump did when he got inaugurated was the Muslim man. Yeah. And so when I saw the news about, you know, um, Justice Ginsburg's passing, I mean, it just made me feel like, like that all over again. And just like, well, hope she's happy. Yeah. I mean, Trump has shown his whole ass. Like we know exactly what he's about. And a lot of people knew this sooner. A lot of people were in doubt. Um, And it would be, I don't know, like a, it would be an unwelcome reckoning if he were elected again this year um while mars is still in retrograde (sighs) yeah a lot of grief in the air i think the Mm -hmm. last thing i kind of wanted to bring up was Mm -hmm. i mean kind of this is kind of going back to their just a red tag into the third day conversation Mm -hmm. but jennifer laude's murderer is here in hawaii now i just found out which makes me really upset. And there's mm-hmm. a protest organized today about it. And I unfortunately am not going to be able to make it, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that people are going to be out there protesting and just mm-hmm. really sending a message like, look, like we're watching <laughs> and we're not we're happy about this. Yeah, totally. In the court of public opinion, right? Like there's always going to be some, like someone will have to answer, especially if you are a murderer, a perpetrator of such a violent crime um, that became a global issue um, and to take away a trans woman's life, right? Like, I'm really glad that organizers are getting together. I mean, I think, I hope people understand too that organizing becomes one way to like do something. Like it becomes one it becomes, it becomes one action. Telling someone also becomes an action. Inviting people to this protest um, also becomes one. So I hope that people really show up, not only today, but, you know, show up by telling people, show up by um, learning. Those are really important things during this time. Thanks for bringing that up, Pal. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good, too, like, that we could continue the news on some things that we've heard um, because that's the thing about that is so misleading about the word news is that it's, it doesn't have to be new, right? Like I think it should always be a continuum of information. So uh, there's a lot today. Um, It's almost like anything and everything is sort of like up for um, debate or a potential, um, I don't know, symbol of harm. I don't know. It's just hard. These times are really hard. They are. And I'll talk about this more during my astrology reading time. But yeah, things are building up for sure. And um, I don't know if we've seen the worst of it. Like, I don't like fear mongering, especially around like astrology. But at the same time, like I do think, again, this goes back to stay vigilant and Mm -hmm. take care of yourselves. 
Yeah. Um, speaking of taking care of ourselves, I noticed on, this goes into our game too, but I noticed on Twitter this week, there was a game, I guess, that was kind of like making its rounds. And some people were wondering like of all of the different signs, right? Like um, out of the fire signs, water signs, people were like wondering who is the best of each one. And I was telling Paula, I was like, <laughs> As a Leo, I was really offended when people were saying that Aries was the best fire sign. <laughs> I was so mad. I was like, but do you not know? Like, but sometimes they can be rude and I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> sorry, Aries. No, um, no offense sorry. to the Aries. <laughs> we are still siblings of fire, but I was just like, like, and people were posting what they thought was the best sign with no explanation, no room for discussion. And so I thought, you know, let's play a game <laughs> called Sun, Moon, Rising as Anything. Um, and so during this game, Paula and I each came up with five different categories that could potentially be Sun, Moon, Rising. For example, like, what is your sun, moon, rising in terms of academic disciplines? Like, I would say that I am, um, let's see, uh, an English lit sun, um, ethnic studies, moon, and a Filipino-American literature rising, you know, like, as anything. So I'm going to ask Paula <laughs> um, different things that she sees her sun, moon, rising as, and then she's going to ask me, and we'll just see how this goes. Okay, I hope that was a sufficient description of the game. <laughs> yeah, let's just go into it, and then people will figure it out if they haven't already. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, these are things Paula, I think, like, really likes or really hates. So the first one, um, Paul, what is your sun, moon, rising as pastries? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh, this is hard. I love all pastries. I know. Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I think I would be um, cinnamon buns, or like mm. specifically Cinnabuns, <laughs> Cinnabun <laughs> Sun. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, bread pudding moon. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, actually those two are just so similar, but different <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> And then scones rising. Really? Ooh, I love scones. Okay. I yeah. Can that. Oh my god. Yeah. I, <laughs> I basically yeah. I mean the first two are really just like the most indulgent things I could possibly think of. Just like mm -hmm. bready and sweet with just some kind of just like creamy sauce or icing. And that's why, yeah. that's why I chose them as my sun and moon. Yeah. I definitely didn't know about the bread pudding, so I think that's interesting that it's your moon. Um, <laughs> do you want to hear mine that I came up with? <laughs> yes. Okay. So um, my husband calls me the cookie monster because I just fucking love cookies. I love them. So I would say I'm a cookie sun, chocolate chip cookie sun. Um, this is kind of a pun, but it's real. A croissant moon. Croissant. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> and um, <laughs> I know this is really strange, but maybe like a bundy all rising, especially with like butter and sugar, which you have called me out on for eating during an episode. What <laughs> is that? Oh my pastry. god, I don't know why I blanked. I didn't even think about cookies as a pastry. Mm. But they are, you're right. 
<laughs> I think I was just thinking of just bready, sweet bready things. Mm-hmm. But no, I changed my answer. I'd definitely be like a chocolate chip cookie raisin. <gasps> yes! I was a little jealous of the Cinnabon answer, so. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made chocolate chip cookies the other day and my friend told me the, the only people in Hawaii will understand this but my friend told me that they taste like cookie corner cookies and it was like the biggest compliment of my life because they're the best fucking cookies out Ooh, there and now I can okay. make them yes I love it shout out to cookies <laughs> shout out to um, cookie corner <laughs> like actual cookies because I learned that cookies is a marijuana brand so I just want to specify that that's not what I'm shouting out but a shout out to you if that's what you like so- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I, my next, so I'll go next, and it's similar, but it's different. So what is your sun, moon, rising as types of bread? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I had a feeling you were going to say this. Okay, so I, I am just starting to get into bread, like really start to understand what I like. I would say I am a, um, like a wheat multigrain sun. I just love we friend. I don't know. Um, my moon would be a brioche bun. Ooh, yeah. Brioche buns are so good. And I don't really have them often. So there's that. And then um, my rising, I like just like a plain croissant. I don't mean for that to come back up again. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like just plain. Just a plain. <laughs> what about you? A croissant. Croissant moon. <laughs> croissant <laughs> rising. <laughs> I am a sourdough son because I'm a lot of fucking work. (laughs) It takes forever (laughs) to make. Banana bread moon because it's barely bread. (laughs) It's really just bananas and flour (laughs) and sweetness and deliciousness. And then pandesal rising. Pandesal's amazing. Yes. Wow. Paula, we basically came up with the same shit again. Like, we didn't even plan this. Um, (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm gonna skip something and go to another one. What is your sun, moon, rising as social media accounts? (laughs) Like, other people's accounts or the different platforms? The platforms, yeah. Okay. I am def. I'm gonna go backwards. I'm definitely like an Instagram rising, mm. um, a Twitter sun, and a. Hmm, hold on. Gosh, I'm like not on very much social media anymore. So I'm like, wait, what's out there? What used to be out there? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a MySpace moon. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, I, I think I'm a MySpace moon because I really loved how customizable MySpace was. Like you could use HTML code to like put in like I don't know music and backgrounds and shit. And yeah. Um, yeah. I'm actually, I mean, I'm really like a Taurus moon, and you know we we have the reputation of just like moving real slow on things. And I did not sign up for MySpace until like way past its time. So. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Um, I don't I don't know if I like my answers anymore, but initially I'd come up with like a Twitter sign because it's all words. Um, I wrote that I'm like a Tumblr moon <laughs> because mm, Tumblr. Always in their feels on Tumblr. 
Um, and then I had like Facebook rising, but I would like to change that to a Zanga rising because <laughs> a lot of people used to read my Zanga account or my blog when I had it. So, and I was writing in that thing from early high school until the end of college. So yeah, there's that. Wow. Your yeah. turn. <laughs> All right. So what is your sun moon rising as reality tv shows yes oh my gosh i love this okay reality tv shows i would say um i would be like a like a making the band sun <laughs> that's from back in the day making the band sun um i would be like a um I hate this. I'm sorry, but a million dollar listing moon. <laughs> I love watching those and it just allows me to imagine like what could, what could a space look like? How can you transform? But then also that transformation is built on like stolen land. So I have to contend with that. I know. Um, and then my rising, I'd probably be like a real world rising. Yeah. Wow, yeah. you went like way back, except with that moon one. Yeah, no, Jan Janice loves HGTV and just all house kind of things, which I think I just know. screams her cancer placement. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I put fixer upper sun because I too <laughs> really like mm. these like home shows. Jeez, um, Great British Baking Show Moon. Oh my God. Yes, you do. By far the best of the cooking and food reality TV shows. And then Dating Around Rising, because I would totally be on that show. I would totally go on a show where I could go on five dates in a week and I would love it. I would fucking love it. And it would be paid for. <laughs> for. I hope it would be paid for. You know, did you know that like, mm. um, if you enter The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, you have to pay for your own shit and it's like tens of thousands of dollars you're like paying for like what? all the gowns, like all of like the makeup and just like all of those things. It's like The Bachelor and Bachelorette are like our new like 21st century like beauty pageants. Mm, I was just gonna say it sounds like a beauty pageant especially for you as someone who has entered and won a beauty pageant <laughs> Miss Philippines San Diego County yep 2009. 2009 yes oh my god side note I remember telling you about it because they had a huge scholarship that was um part of the benefits package and um I really wanted that for you, and I thought you'd be a great candidate, and then we just started talking about it, and then you ended up entering. And then it turns out the scholarship uh, minimized from one year to the next, so, you know, it's okay. <laughs> There's so much shadiness around the scholarship, but yes, Janice was the one who told me to enter the pageant, and then I ended up doing it as my honors thesis <laughs> project, so it was fun. It was a good experience. Yeah. We stand a queen. <laughs> <laughs> I had to say it. Um, yes. Is it my turn next? With yes. It's your turn. Okay. I really want to know this. What is your sun moon rising as gym equipment? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um my son, I I'd be a barbell son because just basic as fuck. <laughs> just you know, fucking need that. <laughs> I would be a, 
I hold on. Let me let me think about this one a little bit. I would be a. I would be a rowing machine moon because it's like the mm. only cardio that I actually like. And it's like mm. maybe the one thing I miss about like the gym gym because I don't think I would go back to like a gym gym anytime soon with this pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. And then I would be a. There's this machine called the glute hammerase that you don't really mm. see in too many gyms. I would be that as my rising because. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Because it's unique, but it's, like, necessary, and everyone should do them. <laughs> you basically got, like, your upper, upper, middle, and lower body in, like, one rising. <laughs> like it. What'd you put? Um, I put, <laughs> I put that I would be, um, like, a, one of those booty bands, you know, that you <laughs> right? Like, I would be a booty band um, son, um, because they do a lot of bar workouts. I would be a um, an ergonomic weights moon. I know that's really specific, but I have, as I have said before, I have wrist issues, so I have to hold the weights that have like little beans inside. I know. <laughs> I I love it. This is this is getting older. Um, and then I would say I'm a, a yoga mat rising. <laughs> I love it. It's like you could do a whole ass home workout with all of those things. <laughs> And that's where I'm, where I'm at. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Love it. Okay. My next one is sun, moon, rising as members of the Kardashian family. Oh my gosh. I love this. Thanks, pal. You just combine like reality TV and like this like strange pool of knowledge I have on like celebrities, but I just, ugh, I, I know. Okay. There is someone, Ooh, I really look forward no, no, no. That would have to be my moon. I would say I'm like a on the show, right? Or the sisters yes. only. Oh yeah. no, no, no. The, the the entire show, like the entire clan. You can like, you know, anyone. Got it. I would say I would be like a Chloe Kardashian son. Um, mm. I just fucking love that she just says whatever the fuck she wants, and I aspire to that. Um, her best friend's name is Malika. I would be a Malika Moon. Um, I just really like Malika, but sometimes she gets, she, she drowns in her feelings like I do. So I would be her. And then my rising, I don't know, this is really strange, but maybe like a Kris Jenner rising. (laughs) (laughs) A momager rising. (laughs) Yeah, like people, like she gets things done and I hope people think that about me, but also, um, yeah, she just like, she also genuinely doesn't know shit sometimes and it's just funny the way it comes out, so. I feel that way. What about you? <laughs> okay. I put that I'm a Courtney son because I actually really felt like out of like the sisters, she's the one I relate to the most. Mm-hmm. I put I am all of Kimye's kids moon because <laughs> I, they're the most adorable children on the entire freaking planet. Like I, I can't deny it. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I put up a Kim rising because I oh, yeah I you know I, I I like her style I would wear a lot of what Kim wears actually you know yeah yeah fitting outfits her basically <laughs> yes her style has definitely changed and like matured and I mean in some ways right like in some ways it has um 
But yeah, I like that. That's great. That's, that's a good point because I, um, you know how they just announced that they're going to be canceling the show after like a bazillion seasons and it's just so sad. And I was reading the article about it and it showed like, you know, these kind of just like, here's pictures of Kim you know the show started and here's pictures after Mm -hmm. and you know and it showed that first kind of promo poster where you have like the whole family's in the background and you just like have Kim in this like animal print dress with just like her butt (laughs) like of course just Uh featured prominently in it it's like total body con like tight fitting dress and then yeah her, Uh her style really has like um yeah just like quote unquote like matured over time it's changed a lot it's yeah yeah, you don't also from deliver the clubbing outfits. <laughs> <laughs> you told me about that too. You you're like you're like my um you're like my newscast, I guess, in some way. I'm on Twitter um, too much is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do one more? Okay. I know now I gotta choose. Fuck which one. Okay. Okay. Cool. I know which one I'm gonna choose for you. And it's the it's the thing that you may not like, but um what is your sun moon rising <laughs> as vegetables? Oh, yes. I hate vegetables. Like if I could not ever eat a vegetable in my life, I think I'd be totally okay, but they're good for your health, I guess. That's why I have to eat them. (laughs) I would choose, okay. Um, I would be a, um, Brussels sprout sun. I actually do like them when they're cooked well with a lot Mm -hmm. of garlic. Um, I would be a, fermented green beans moon because Ooh, <laughs> I only, that's the only way I'll eat them it's my favorite vegetable to ferment um fermenting is like my saving grace I'm like making vegetables delicious oh. and then I would be an arugula rising I do I, that's also like the raw only raw green I really really like yeah arugula is so good it's just it just has that little what is that like an almost bitter and tart taste at the same time at the end so yeah i love that cool thank you for um obliging me on that question because <laughs> we know you don't like vegetables um i am a tomato sun i just love tomatoes um onion moon because i no, wait, sorry, I got that wrong. Tomato sun, onion rising. I, I wish that it was more normalized that we could eat onions like we eat apples, but it's not. So <laughs> I would eat it like an apple if I could. Um, and then I know it's really strange, but I really like almost secretly love corn. So corn moon. <laughs> I love it as elote. I love it as a fritter. I love it as bread. I just love corn, so... There's that. You you really use the word vegetable very liberally here because tomato is <laughs> definitely a fruit. <laughs> you know, you know, I know that's a huge debate, but I've always seen it as um, vegetables, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just leave it there. But I get it. I know it's a fruit. Should I I'm change it? I'm also pretty then? sure. I'm also pretty sure corn's not a vegetable. No, I don't think you should change it. It's not a vegetable. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure. I think oh it's technically God. considered like a grain, but it's okay. No I get way. what you mean. <laughs> it has, it has <laughs> leaves. <laughs> no. In my in my um refrigerator, there's just like one drawer for all the things that are healthy, and so <laughs> all the vegetables sit in that drawer. <laughs> 
Okay, I, oh my gosh, I have to choose one and I'm so sad. Okay, um, I guess we were kind of like on the same hungry wavelength, but my last one's <laughs> gonna be, what's your sun, moon, and rising as Filipino desserts? Oh my god, this is a good one! Pow! Why? Why do I have to choose? No. Okay. Oh my god, your Libra rising is just like kicking in. <laughs> we, could, we could be here forever with the way I need to decide right now. Um, damn. I'm hella sad. Okay. 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 I would, I'm not gonna like these answers, but I'm just gonna say so. Oh, I would like to be an ube cheesecake son. Um, Specifically, like, the ube cheesecake either from Hood Famous Bakery in Seattle, Washington is bomb, or I discovered the ube cheesecake at Marley's Treats in Hayward, California, also bomb. Um, so yeah, ube cheesecake sun. I would be uh, <laughs> maybe like a senorita bread moon. I just, if I could eat a million of them, without my own self-judgment getting in the way, I really would. I would eat so many of them. And, <laughs> and plus in Daily City, you could get um, 20 pieces for like five bucks, you know? So there's God. that. Yeah, you can. And uh, it's so it's so annoying because everyone will go and get it for their, their family party and there's always a long line. So that's why I put it as a, as a moon because I know that I'd really have to like spend my time there. Um, and then my rising, uh, this Filipino dessert. Ooh, um, what do you call it? It's like, um, that hard, it's like a hard bread. I don't know how to, it's, um, it's like bis, what's it called? Biscotti. There's like a Filipino biscotti that's like basically butter and sugar rising. I think I know what you're talking about. This is so funny because oh, wow. last I, I came up with this one because I uh, um last weekend on Astro Twitter I got caught in this like thread with all of the other like Filipinx <laughs> like astrologers on Twitter about Filipino desserts. So one of them was trying to figure out the name of a certain dessert and was like trying to describe it, and like all of us were just like trying to figure it out with her. Like, geez, <laughs> you don't figure it out. Yeah, yeah, she did. She was trying to describe it as like it's like. Um, it's like rice it's like sticky rice and we're like okay that's like 50 filipino desserts you're gonna like, like, it's like it down for us. <laughs> no i think it ended up being um oh my gosh i think it's Was it called pico? pico yeah oh yeah. yes yeah i okay so i picked um I picked Bibinka Sun because mm -hmm. I love Bibinka and Filipinos in Hawaii really, really love Bibinka. Like it's always at our events and parties. We even did a, um, I work for a labor union and we even did a um, action at one of our hotels that involved Bibinka. <gasps> I love it. And I would be a Leche Flan Moon and mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, actually coming out of that Astro Twitter, like Filipino desserts conversation, like I have it on my to-do list to try to make ube Leche Flan, but I cannot find ube jam and I'm really upset about it. And then I would be a Puto Bumbong Rising, so it's not like the soft kind of Puto, it's like the purple, like um, stickier one, like I mm. love that shit. Mm. Those are all... 
either just like ube or good with ube. Um, yes. Wow, pal. I love it. This was a great one. This is a good one to end on too. That, this was a really fun one. Thank yeah. you for suggesting it. <laughs> Thanks, pal. I really like it. Now I'm going to like go and get Filipino desserts afterwards. I know. I'm like, how am I not going to get like some kind of sweet after this entire conversation? Yes. I hope people tweet us and send us their Sun Moon Rising as like Filipino desserts or as gym equipment you know, or as reality TV shows. I think that would be super funny. I would love to hear what other people are thinking. (laughs) Yes, please share everyone. (laughs) Okay, so let's transition to the show we are going to talk about today. So as you all know, Janice and I wanted this podcast to really be about highlighting BIPOC pop culture. And so this show, you know, like we're going to acknowledge right off the bat is problematic (laughs) as fuck. But has, um, you know, like women of color, people of color in the cast and, um, and we both still watch it even though it's trash, but we're talking about Riverdale today. Riverdale, Riverdale. Apparently it like takes place in New York, like the state of New York, but. Is that where um, it takes place? I've been wondering. It's like, I I, I knew it was like definitely in like the New England region, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I looked it up and it said that, you know, apparently it should be Riverdale, New York. So that would explain why it, there are a lot of like, um, there's a lot of forestation around. <laughs> there's a lot of like um, dirt roads and I don't know, it just seems, it has like a little bit of an unincorporated feel. So um, I think it makes sense that it's up there, but not too far away from like, um, I don't know, big city business or something like that. So Riverdale's trash is what we wanted to say. Um, and maybe before we give a list of reasons why Riverdale is trash, we do want to say that there are spoilers. And um, here's a little bit of the show description. Um, it is originally a story from Archie Comics, which started in 1941. Riverdale centers around a group of high school students who are shocked by the death of a classmate, Jason Blossom. Together, they unravel the secrets of Riverdale and who really killed Jason. So that's a season one based um, description and it sort of changes, but what never changes is that it does center around a group of high school students. So. How funny is it that we're doing another show that centers around like episode one is like someone died. (laughs) Mm, Yes, you're right. In a different, like this is like a, as opposed to last week where it was more like like a drama, this one is like uh, more of a mystery um it's it's like like mystery it's drama it's comedy it's just like everything you need and want from a teenage you know show right on the cw yes Yes. it's um i do like stories that revolve around young protagonists um and this one it's just like so trashy like trashy one of the reasons why i think it's trash is because i dislike that it gradually does away with people of color characters so some of those people are like um, Josie, who is like a, a one of the black teenagers and a singer on the show. Um, let's see. And, and she's in a band called Josie and the Pussycats and all the Pussycats eventually just fade away from the show. And I, there's really no explanation about why or what happens to them. So it's I so, that. Yeah, that's so annoying. I agree because, um, so I, I got into the show cause I did, I read the comics as a kid. I was a huge, huge fan. And the comics can be also problematic too. But anyway, it was really cool to see in the show. I was like, oh gosh, they made all of the Pussycats black. 
because in the comics only Valerie is and but so yeah then to just kind of have them just like fade away like pretty like early, you know like early-ish in the show it's just disappointing yeah yeah um do you want to give another reason why Riverdale's trash pal <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, just to expand more on just the treatment of um, people of color in the show, I mean, I, we're at, at a point now, so another thing about the, <laughs> just as a caveat to anyone listening, like, I'm not fully caught up, I haven't watched season four yet, Janice is fully caught up, so she will probably have spoilers for me, but mm-hmm. the show is so trash that I don't really care, and <laughs> so... Anyway, uh, so really, like, I'm at, at least at the part of the show I'm at, and it sounds like it's the same, like, it hasn't improved or anything or changed since season four, mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. actress that plays Tony Topaz, um, Vanessa Morgan, has even spoken out about the show's treatment of, you know, Black and people of color um, characters. Like, she basically like, was tweeting and saying, I'm the only one left. Like, I'm the only regular left who is a person of color. And she's right. Like, we started off the show really strong with all of these, like, different, like, people of color. Um, Like, her... Actually, no, she comes a little bit later. But we had, like, as we said, Josie and the Pussycats. We had Clayton, who was, like, a character for, like, a bit. Reggie Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, he's Asian. And yet he... His role... I mean, he... Just, he's not a regular character. He's just like not as significant as just mm-hmm. like he just turns more and more into just kind of this like side piece for Veronica. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm also noticing now that like some of the uh, characters of color are given sort of like nicknames instead of actual names, right? Which also sort of like doesn't allow them to be like fully fleshed characters. Like there's a character named Mad Dog, uh, a character named Sweet Pea, Fangs, right? Like these are not real names. And the ones who do have real names, like they are the ones who have more of a lived life on the show. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I definitely take issue with that. Um, there are also like uh, oh, just about, like, uh, Vanessa Morgan. Like, I think what was really cool is that her um, her fellow actors on the show, like, really support her. Um, and she said she feels supported, so I'm hoping that goes, like, beyond a grand statement. Um, so, yeah, I think <laughs> another thing that Paul and I were talking about was the way that the show sort of pivots from, like, commentary that Uh, like it could comment more on the prison industrial complex. Um, There is a part of the show where um, the the town needs to like tear down a movie drive-in, a movie theater drive-in, and that the, so this this mysterious buyer has bought the land. um, So they wanted one to preserve their own town nostalgia. So that's one problem. And then the second one is that they find out the person who tears it down is uh, doing it because they want to build a privatized jail. So there's just there's just so much commentary that could happen there, but that plot line just sort of like petered out and ended up becoming like a war against like rich daughter versus rich father, and so you know like it didn't really get at the issue. Um, exactly, <laughs> I know it just it, it, there's just so many opportunities where the show could just um, you know be something more. Like there is even. Um, there's even just like a point where they were just kind of even talking about like, um, oh gosh, this is a, just was this season one or season two where um, 
Cheryl gets like almost like like physically and like sexually assaulted right and then there's just like a whole Mm -hmm. like discussion around just like slut shaming and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff but again it was just kind of like a one episode thing that didn't get explored further I think Mm -hmm. on top of them also tearing down the movie theater they like Hiram Lodge also wanted to like tear down the schools and turn them into prisons and then like oh my god there's just so much that could have been commented on around like this is the prison industrial complex and then mm-hmm. and then he was cooking drugs <laughs> oh yes oh my god we could talk yes. so much more about just white yeah. color crime and just how mm-hmm. fucked up it is and how like you know these criminals really do get away scotch free but again the focus just ends up being like rich dad versus rich daughter yes totally and then also just the fact that like all of I mean all of the parents are like intensely irresponsible on the show (laughs) and so for Hiram Lodge uh you know one of the character's parents right like for Hiram to also be the only man of color on the show um like as a as a prominent role for him to end up being a criminal whereas like everyone else's parents almost kind of I mean all the dads are definitely evil and reaping or like just like they're they're um examples of toxic masculinity for sure but like again some of the like white parents and the white mothers like against their own kind of innocence or like trying to um at least like feign in innocence um like there are just so many things that this show could do right but it like just ends up doing it all wrong and everything sort of like empties like the meaning of the show the potential empties um which is why i think it is trash <laughs> I think there's also just more they could speak on, like specifically on just gentrification, because there is this like north side versus south side dynamic. And it's very clear. I mean, they make it very obvious that the south side is, yeah, there's poor white people like Jughead's family, but it really is like a lot, like all the other characters on the south side are people of color. There's like a mm-hmm. s- small mention of Tony being, you know, part Native American. And then, um, yeah, just like there could have been so much more about gentrification, like, you know, yeah, col- colonialism. <laughs> but yeah. it just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. Totally. A lot of it is like this just very like disingenuous inclusion, disingenuous authenticity, um, which is like, it is definitely cringeworthy to witness, but it's also just like hard not to see how this is wrong. Like these are almost incorrect portrayals of what these people's lives could look like. Um, and then also just like as a writer watching this, like I, I think this is like maybe like something I've been thinking about is that writers should also like not only read for story and content, but we should also read for the choices that the other writer makes to tell, to tell us a particular story. And in the choices of the show, like it just seems that things are incorrect. The pacing doesn't make sense. Like how they could just go from one person's house to another person's house in in the span of five minutes Um, that like 20 different devastating events could happen over one night and that it happens early on in a season. Like some of that just doesn't really seem um, possible to me. And the show doesn't even like present as a genre that could forego some of those um, restrictions, right? Like it's not fantasy, you know? Um, It's like posed in this like almost um, strange, like timeless world that is still present because I was telling Powell, they don't, they have cell phones, right? And they, but they don't use them or they don't use them properly or they don't use them enough or they don't use them as much as teenagers do these days. 
So it just, some things just really don't make sense. And from a writing perspective, um, the show would need to be workshopped a little more before it really there are there. there are a lot of like anachronisms in mm-hmm. the show for sure. And I think mm-hmm. some of it's like by design, like, you know, you have the old school fifties diner and then like, there's yeah. just, I remember when Betty's parents were still working um, or running the newspaper, you know, and I was like, their computers are so like from the nineties. <laughs> and stuff yeah it's really really interesting why or why they've made this choice you know but there is just a weird like kind of timelessness it's like what Mm -hmm. time period is this taking place in it's like no it's clearly the present but like why does betty dress like she's like in the 50s yes why does veronica wear three inch high heels to school every single day (laughs) walks from someone's house to another person's house and yeah, just so many things <laughs> don't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think like I mean, on top of just like the sh- that, all the other things we talked about, there's the show's trash because there's just so much cringe that you know the internet's just fully aware of, like Dark Betty stripping to Mad World. <laughs> yes, yes, and then just the association that the character Betty would be bad because she's wearing a, a dark-haired wig, right? Like, what's that say? What, does, what is that telling us or teaching us about dark-haired women, right? That we have to, like, be aware of them, or they're dangerous, or, you know, the black hair is a warning sign. Like, this is not... Some of these um, symbols are just... Um, they're just not okay. <laughs> yeah, and just some of the... I mean, on the writing, just some of the dialogue is just, like, who wrote this? Like, who would ever say these lines, like, out loud? (laughs) Yeah, I I really, like, um, have been thinking about how they always announce themselves to each other. Like, they'll say things like, you can do it, you're Cheryl Blossom, or why aren't you able to do this, you're Hiram Lodge's daughter, or you went to school with Hermione Lodge. You know, like, why do they always have to refer to themselves in third person? It's really strange. Like, I get it. Maybe it's a nod for the audience to make sure they know who these characters are. But there are some times where that context isn't even presented to us. So I, I, it just, it's so, it's so cringe, pal. It's so cringe. <laughs> um, yep. Mm-hmm. So we? let's go into the characters. Yes, let's do it. Uh, so we, you know, there's so many characters we're going to obviously focus on, I mean, the, the four main characters are Archie, Betty, Veronica, and Jughead, but we um, also really want to look at um, Josie as well, even though she's not in the show anymore. Actually, right before this, um, I was just telling Janice that I, I didn't realize that Josie was now on a new show, and I didn't even know the show was, like, up, and I hope maybe it's on Netflix. I haven't gotten to look at it yet, but it's called Katie Keen, which is based on another comic from the Archie universe, and so it's Josie and her friends who are all like now in New York City and it takes a f- place a few years later like they're in their like early 20s and are just trying to like you know make it in the big city and so I'm happy to hear that Josie lives on on another show but yeah. still sad to see her go from Riverdale. Yeah I'm, glad. I'm gonna try to look for that show now that you've brought it up. 
Okay, so um, we, let's start with Archie Andrews, who yes. is, um, yeah, I mean, he's a namesake for the original comic series, like the quote-unquote main character, and um, I want to, okay, so before I go into, like, the Sun, Moon, and Risings that I chose for the characters, I, <laughs> I was telling Janice that I thought really, really heavily about, because the parents are such prominent characters and we see them so much in the show. And traditionally in astrology, the sun can often signify your father and then the moon can signify your mother. And so with a lot of these, like the, the choices I made actually really kind of would think about the rising sign for the character first and then... I thought about the sun and the moon, not just about the character themselves, but I was really also just thinking so much about the parents. So we'll see how this mm -hmm. goes. I might feel differently as I say these out loud, but for Archie, I thought he was a Leo sun, mm. Aries moon, Scorpio rising. What Whoa. do you think, Janice? Wow, I just wrote mine down before you said yours. Um, Paula's going to be leading this because I should have prepared sooner, but I didn't. Um, and so I like that you chose um, like fire for the sun, right? Like I, 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 I was thinking, at first I thought Sag sun, because like he just always goes on these fucking adventures and doesn't really like tell people everything. Like it's, it's, it's a great Sag trait, but for, you know, for planners, it's, also kind of annoying. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Um, I thought he was like a Taurus moon because mm. like he doesn't really talk so much about his mom. Like it's just kind of like, oh yeah, uh, my parents are separated. Oh yeah, mom's coming back today. Or, you know, just like so like go with the flow about it. So I thought maybe that. And then I put Leo rising because everyone does kind of see him as the leader. So Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, I thought about Leo's son because everyone does see him as the leader. I do like, I, I do like Sag's son for him. I could see that working. As for his moon, I really like put him as like an Aries moon just because he does, it's for the same reasons I think in some ways that you chose him as a Sag son. But for the Aries moon, I was just like, it, it gets really frustrating with him that he oftentimes just wants to go it alone with just like, and will just kind of be a bit impulsive about things. Like, I think it was toward the end of season two where he was like, I'm just going to go to Canada in the woods by myself to like <laughs> run away from Hiram. <laughs> like, wait, <Yeah>. what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> zero right. sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, And on the mom thing, I do, I mean, I was thinking about, like, hard about that for a bit because I was just like, oh, like, yeah, we don't really see his mom. Like, I really only think they have her come, come like, or she starts becoming a more prominent character in Spices and Three is because um, the character who plays, or the actor who plays his dad, Luke Perry, passed away suddenly. And, mm -hmm. you know, the dad, you know, the, yeah, we were talking earlier, the dads are, like, really trash, but, like, you know, Archie's dad actually is, like, the one, I think, really, like, kind of the only dad who's, like, okay. Yeah, and is a yeah really constant and just like um you know was just kind of really surprisingly patient with Archie even when Archie was like choosing Hiram over him in season two <laughs> like mm -hmm. why that bullshit which again yeah. makes me just think like the Aries moon geez like I was like really like where's your fucking loyalty man <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um but with a Scorpio rising I just felt like he um that Aries would then hold on I'm like totally turned around in my head where hold on 
Yeah, I would. It would put like his moon in like his sixth house, which is kind of like a like one of like the more kind of hidden like houses. It's like not a good place oh. for the moon, which is kind of why I was like, oh, I could see like his moon being there because the mom's just like not super present until toward the end. Mm. Um, and then um, if he's a Scorpio rising, then his Leo sun would be like in his tenth house, which I think again, it's just like the dad's just such a prominent part of his life, and he like really looks up oh. to his father. So for the most I part. <laughs> So that's why I've made my choices. Yeah, I like that. There is some, like, each of the signs that we chose, they all have some kind of, like, commonality. Like, we both definitely chose, like, fire for the sun. <laughs> and um, I don't know, Aries and Taurus, like, I just sort of think of them maybe because they're both, like, I don't know, four-legged animals. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 got, I like the Taurus, the part I like about the Taurus moon is that Archie clearly just channels just a lot of his emotions into physical things or physical outlets, whether that's boxing, which for me, I was like, where the fuck did the boxing come from? Right, right, from, from music to boxing. <laughs> from music was- to boxing. But the music's like a, was a similar outlet in some ways too, obviously not as just like aggressive, but, but again, that's like, I, like the Aries moon totally fits with the boxing, I feel like, but mm-hmm. yeah, but I could see the Taurus moon, like, I mean, I'm a Taurus moon and I, I definitely channel my emotions into physical <laughs> like things, whether that's food. <laughs> working out (laughs) that's where I got it from I was like well you know in some ways like Archie is totally like Paula like um like the way I mean this is the way I think of it like people see Archie and they think he's like going to automatically be the leader or he and he doesn't always like present that way like um he has a really strong sense of himself and I thought like oh well who's someone in my life who (laughs) exhibits these same qualities right like really good really good understanding of who they are and what they want and doesn't necessarily have to be like in people's face about it, just like in their own face. So I just thought of you because I was like, oh yeah, Paula is able to like really like move through the world in a way that allows her to um, like get her shit done and doesn't really need anyone else's approval. And I thought that's like fucking Taurus Moon right there. So I don't know. That's where I got that from. Aww. Paula's like, oh, I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, never mind. We'll use your answers. But no, I. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I okay. Are we ready to move on to Betty? Yes, I I, I guessed my Betty thing. Okay. <laughs> That's funny because I actually had the hardest time with Betty, oh, even though okay. I will say out of you know I asked you once like who your favorite character is and you said none of them because you thought they're all trash and i i agree i don't like feel really strongly with the characters but i do really like betty um i do like that she's a lot more even i mean the dark betty cringe aside i do like she that she's like a lot more complex than she was in the comics because comics Mm. betty is like the girl next door and she's just like really sweet but she's also really a pushover like they in the comics like the betty archie veronica love triangle is like a much stronger and i'm glad we don't have that in the show and just like the girl mm-hmm. fighting and stuff is all gone but mm-hmm. in the comic she's like a total pushover like there's just like so many stories where like archie will be like betty i really need help with my homework like i need i need help like please repair my car and then she'll like do all this shit for him and he's like oh my god thank you so much for doing this now i could go on my date with veronica tonight oh wow so i'm glad we don't see that with betty but anyway so show betty is very different than comic betty and i really Mm -hmm. like show betty um and i put her down as a cancer sun a scorpio moon 
and a Sag rising. Wow. I'm writing yours down. This is totally different from what I perceived and guessed. Wow. Okay. Do you want to say more? Yes. So I, I did have a hard time with this one. I, <laughs> I only put Scorpio Moon because I was like, where the fuck does Dark Betty fit in all of this? <laughs> Ooh, okay. I have an idea. Or like, where's the darkness coming from? Um. Um, <laughs> And so I, oh God, yeah, and again, I just like just thought about her parents too, or it's just like, okay, like the Scorpio moon could totally account for like the mom's just intensity. Oh gosh, like Alice is like a piece of work, but obviously her serial color killer father is too. And I was like, okay, where's the sun kind of come in? And so I put her down as a Sag rising because I do think it like fits with her, you know, I think there are just kind of just like strong convictions and beliefs like she, that she kind of has, um, mm-hmm. but that would put her, that would put her, hold on, let me think about this, this would put her son in, oh my god, I really wish <laughs> I was like staring at a chart right now because now my brain's like all turned around, but this would put her son in the eighth house which is like represents death so i feel like it's very literal because she's a serial killer father (laughs) and you know in hell like i mean he's obviously just like really fucked up but it is really interesting too how he just like in a sick way also just like really cares about his like family and like yeah and so i feel like that tracks with this cancer and then That would then also put her Scorpio moon in the 12th house, which is like our very, it's a very, very like hidden house and secret, and it's like secretive house. And so that's why Dark Betty, like, it's just kind of um, this hidden part of her that I think she like really hates and like also really just kind of wants to put a push away. Okay. I was going to say, like, considering Betty's dad, like, what house tracks patriarchy and sexism? Because <laughs> that is also what really runs his life. <laughs> there I, think the eighth house, uh, I think the eighth house <laughs> represent like I mean the eighth house I think can I mean it, it, it can those kind of things can fit in there because the eighth house on top of like death also represents fear and anxiety and sometimes oh, like uh-huh. trauma can go in there the other thing that the eighth house represents is other people's money which I think can totally like exhibit like a power dynamic right and so um yeah I mean even with the father like there were things that were kind of coming up around like just like material resources but just um but even beyond that too yeah just like patriarchy and power um, I, I yeah I think it fits that makes sense so which, there's like oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I really want to know what you put. Okay, okay, I'll tell you. Um, I put, and this is just like, just, I don't know. I was thinking that Betty was a Virgo sun because oh. she's like so fucking particular about everything. Um, and she almost becomes this sort of like, um, she becomes her own detective and the town's detective. And she like really starts to pride herself on solving mysteries. And I thought like, that's so strange that she sees herself as like the main proponent of solving all of the problems. Um, And then she also sees herself as like the reason why a lot of them continue. Like she really started to blame herself after her dad was (laughs) discovered to be like um, one of the main killers in uh, the town. And also I thought like, she's a Virgo because she always knows like where to go and what to do and like who's the right person to call for any like um, shitty situation they find themselves in. Um, So there's that. Um, At the same time, like she doesn't think about like what she doesn't really 
I don't know. She thinks of everything in terms of herself. Like, what can she do? What can mm. she add to the situation? And it doesn't sometimes go further than that, which I find to be like, I don't know, something that Virgos do. Maybe what Virgos do to me is what I should say. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I also thought that Dark Betty came from a Gemini moon. Hmm. Yeah. I like I that. that. Like, I was like, oh, okay, like, because she doesn't try to like dispel Dark Betty. She wants to figure out Dark Betty at some point, right? And that mm. becomes just like another mystery that within herself that she's trying to solve. So like her trying to learn more about her father and like why he would do all of these horrible things. That to me was like an exploration of like another self and not like, um, not like a darkness or like um, an internalized tendency from I don't know I just I just thought that would be fitting because she does kind of lean into it sometimes mm, uh, that's true she like will bring it out sometimes you know and she feel like yeah 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 and then I also can't help but think about her style and how like she always has that damn ponytail which is fine like I get it but you're not Ariana Grande and so it just kind of like bothers me and then I thought what sign would give her um like mom chic like white suburban mom chic where she wears like the same cardigan and like she always dresses like it's fall I like I it seems like have, it's just constantly fall in the show yeah right like do you guys have the four seasons there um and if it's Apparently. on the east coast you should right like the weather could be a very important element of telling a story and they just don't utilize it enough. So I think that she's a Capricorn rising. Hmm. I just thought something about that, like maybe because like my mom is a Capricorn and I always thought like, oh wow, like my mom wears like the same thing, like always the same thing. Like if it's not the same clothes, it's the same kind of style every day for comfort and for self and like they know what they're doing and when they wear something fancy they know exactly why they're wearing that like when dark betty came out and wore like lingerie like we know exactly why she did that so mm. our answers are totally different. so different for her i know i had a really hard time with betty because i mean now that you're saying like i'm just like fuck man virgo yeah i i i think i, I think she's gotta have like a virgo placement and i wasn't feeling super strongly about the sad rising because the other thing i was like mm -hmm. really grappling with is um i <laughs> I think out of like, you know, like the, I think the acting's like hit and miss in this show, but I think actually she's one of the stronger actresses on this show. And I constantly laugh about how expressive her face and her eyes are. Yes. And I was like, maybe she is, maybe she is a double on something. That was something I was thinking for a while. Or maybe she has like a first house moon and um, mm. like her moon and rising would be the same, but I just couldn't land on something that I really, really liked. Um, but I am really liking the Virgo sun choice <laughs> for her. Um, you know that I, I read somewhere that her ponytail takes four hours to what? Mm -hmm. Why? I don't know. What? Yeah, she's in hair oh, and makeup God. for four hours just for that damn ponytail. Seriously. Wow. I mean, it does look matted. <laughs> so it stays in place. Uh, every hair uh wow hmm yeah. i'm gonna look at the ponytail now as i continue to watch it <laughs> yeah <laughs> should we go to our third person veronica yes uh, okay uh, <laughs> so i put veronica as a capricorn sun 
Ooh. a Leo moon, and a Libra rising. Whoa, Cap, Leo, and then what's the rising? Libra. Libra. Oh, I could see that. I like that. I like Libra rising. <laughs> I like it because, like, I don't know, Libras, they dress so well. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, so I put her down as, like, a Cap's son because, you know, like, she's – She's, yeah, she's very, very intentional and deliberate, and she kind of, like, will kind of, like, come mm -hmm. up with a plan and kind of go for it, like, what, you know, it's, like, whether it's, like, her business endeavors or just taking down her father, she always comes up with these, like, fucking plans, and she, like, yeah. and she drives them, you know, she, like, will see them through, um, but I like put her as a Libra rising one because I mean she's obviously just like really beautiful and like well-dressed and you know, just kind of represents mm -hmm. these like Venusian Libra things but mm -hmm. I also think you know at the same time even though she like will go for what she wants it is really kind of fucking fascinating and sometimes frustrating to just like watch her also just try to appease all these different people like still even when she's like in the midst of fighting her father she's still also like just trying to like um she's still trying to be diplomatic with him and just like all these different people and stuff and so mm. it, sometimes it just doesn't make sense sometimes it's like this is the writing it's just the character like I don't know um yeah. and then I put her as a Leo moon because she is like <laughs> uh, you know if Archie is like a Leo sun or a Leo rising and is someone that people naturally view as a leader Veronica is like the kind of person who like kind of pushes herself out there is like I'm the leader <laughs> like follow me yes. Yes. <laughs> I hella agree with you on all on all of these. I just super agree. I didn't I didn't um think of what hers was before we talked, but um I also I'm having a hard time. I was thinking about it on my own, but I really like your choices here, pal. This this makes total sense. <laughs> what do you what what do you think tracks like for you? Like um I think of the people in my life who exhibit some of the same qualities, like what you said about um, the capstan, like how like they always have a plan, they know what they're doing, even if they don't necessarily communicate it or tell people. And this sort of contrast with like dramatic irony on the show, right? Like we don't always know what she's going to do, but we know something's coming. Like when she had a plan for Clayton to like, you know, like get him to take the, what was it called? Like the maple syrup thing on her face. <laughs> like the slut shaming um, gesture that they had created in their like high school culture. Um, I thought about that and how like she instantly knew what she was going to do to get him to take down the picture. And so that's when like Dark Betty came out, but that <laughs> is like totally like a cat sun thing. And then I think of one of my friends um, who is, I think she's a Leo moon. Um, she's like, she leads, I don't know, maybe this is a Leo thing, right? They lead with their heart. So <laughs> Um, that's what I kind of see, like that sort of like propels her into what she's going to do. Um, and that serves also as like purpose and intention. So I can see that as Leo Moon. And I just love the Libra rising because of how she dresses. So there's yeah. that. <laughs> I like it. I'm glad we're in agreement. I don't really have much more to say about those choices. So. Okay. I love yeah. it. So Veronica. Yeah. Um, oh, and I mean, like, yeah, the mom, sorry, like, like, the parents even, you know, right? Like, with her dad, like, if the son's supposed to represent father and she's a cap son, I mean, it just, like, for sure just fits with Hiram, right? Being this just, like, not just a business leader, but, like, this, like, underground, like, crime leader, too. 
Mm-hmm. And and then the Leo moon, like with her mom and stuff too, I was also just thinking about like her mom like also like leads as well and she's not like as super in your face. I really wish we could see like a little bit more of Hermione. Like it is kind of a bummer. Like she becomes mayor and it's like um really great yeah. that she like you know she was able to well you know like Archie's dad should have won I guess but anyway <laughs> but you know it's it's cool that like this woman of color was able to attain this position again you know they had also had a black woman as Mary Josie's mom was mayor before but mm-hmm. it kind of sucks that she also just kind of becomes this like kind of like figurehead and she just kind of seems to just like, like at least in season three just kind of seems to fade toward like the background and is mostly just like super concerned about like Hiram not murdering her yes Yes, there's Jeez. so much trauma in the show. But even like, even the trauma doesn't. I don't. I don't know how to say it without sounding without without it sounding strange. But like, even the trauma doesn't get like the space it deserves. You know, like mm. there's no room to talk about it, or the characters don't even get to talk about it with each other. It's just sort of like symbolic. Um, mm. And I think that's the thing that I really dislike about Riverdale is that everything is fucking symbolic. Like I was <laughs> telling you yesterday, right, about like when Veronica's upset, she gets horrible news and, you know, it like um, has to do with her father, like betraying her or finding out something that she did that she didn't want him to know. And then she like breaks off her pearl necklace from her um, from her neck and then it's like in slow motion right so that is like entirely symbolic of like I am not going to be my father's daughter even though this is like the one connection that we have in terms of like taking care of each other so it's just like disingenuous (laughs) it's also like um not as layered there's not a lot of meaning and multiplicity in some of these actions so um it's it almost it just becomes stereotypical and I think that's what's upsetting (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, Jughead. Oh, Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I talk to people about this show who haven't watched the show, they're like, oh, yeah, that's the one with, like, the Sweet Life and <laughs> Zack and Cody character, right? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Oh, you didn't? Re- yeah, yeah. The, uh, the actor that plays Jughead was the one of the main characters in that show, which I never watched. I was already too old when that show came out, but I have younger siblings who were, like, in love with that show, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, okay, so I put Jughead as a Scorpio sun. Whoa, a Virgo, okay. A, a Virgo moon. Okay. And an Aquarius rising. Oh, wow. Can you say more? And I have, I have my guesses here too. That I okay. I, I think it's funny now, especially now that I think about like, if, oh, Betty, Betty is actually like a Virgo sun or just have some Virgo placements. I just think it's funny. Like also just, and she has a Scorpio moon or at least that's how I put her. That's funny yeah. that her and Jughead stuff is like kind of similar and does in different, sure. different placements. But yeah. anyway, so I put him as a Scorpio sun because I think, you know, on the, yeah, on the constant like investigating and stuff and like investigating crimes and this is why I put Betty too as a Scorpio moon but Scorpios like really know how to like dig deep but can also be kind of really like subtle and secretive about it and so that's kind of really why I put them as a Scorpio sun I can I think that Scorpios can be really really good investigators and Jughead's good at it. He's better at it than his, like, sheriff dad. Like, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And I put him as a Virgo moon because of the writing and because, again, like, with the investigation and the details. Um, you made a really good point to me earlier that Jughead is the narrator for the entire show. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, kind of easy to forget. It's more obvious, especially in season one, but it kind of 
fades in the background, but that, that mm-hmm. still remains true throughout this show. And then I put him as an Aquarius rising because he's constantly like, oh, I'm weird. Like, I'm a weirdo and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And, you know, like, <laughs> that is one of the stereotypes of Aquarius is that they go against <laughs> and do kind of their own thing and that is Jughead that that um that's you see that in the comics too I think you see it even more in the comics I feel like he actually kind of comes off like a little bit more like normal or like you know with the cool kids as the show goes on but it is something he repeated a lot especially in season one especially when him and Betty were getting together he was just like I'm weird like you don't want to be with me Yes, right. And the fact that that was an actual line in the script, like someone had to write it. Well, they thought it, they wrote it, and then someone had to say it. And then we had to watch it. It's just like, the lack of depth is just like, right, again, that declaration of self that is empty, right? Like, why? Why do they do that? And okay, so I totally... Can I, can I share mine about Jughead? Yes, of course. Well, first, like, his name is Jughead, right? So I was like, who would name their kid Jughead? I just, I mean, I know that's not his real name, right? But his his other name, well, what is it, like, uh, Forsyth, right? Yeah, for a Forsyth, Forsyth. Yeah, he's named yeah. after his father. So, F, you know, his father's FP, and that's, yeah. 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 Which is, like, not that great either. Like, these are all strange names. So, anyway, I just, I couldn't get over the fact that this character's name was Jughead. I just wanted to say that when I first started watching. I never read the comics either, so, like, it's really helpful to hear what your experience was like. I don't um, know if they ever explain in the comics either why his name is Jughead, um, but they do say, like, it's not his real name, it's a nickname. Yeah, okay. Well, you know... Um, I fashioned my Sun Moon Rising guesses of Jughead based on one of my good friends who loves Jughead. And I was like, well, yeah, you love Jughead because you are the same person. So I just decided to use her signs and insert them into Jughead signs. And <laughs> I think that my guess is I thought Jughead would be a Taurus sign because there are moments where I'm like, fuck, like, will you do something? Like, are you going to? Are you going to do something on your own without being prompted? Like, I don't know. That's that. that. Um, and then I thought, I'm, I'm with you on the Virgo moon. I'm super with you because um, I think uh, Jughead does have a really good understanding of what people are feeling and what they need or what they need to be pointed out to them. Um, and then I thought of like, uh, again, I only fashioned this after my friend. So my friend is in Aries rising. So I put... Um, Jughead is that because I think he does have moments where he can tap into being like telling people what to do like not just leading them but telling them like what the fuck is wrong or what needs to happen so I also really like yours I just really like yours the same I I like the Taurus sun because I was actually thinking is he a Taurus sun or um, Mm -hmm. even for a split second was like is he a Taurus moon because you don't but you don't see it as much in the show so in the comic um, he one of the things Jughead's known for is he has a huge appetite like he loves burgers and is constantly eating and you do see it is mentioned in the show that he does have a big appetite but it's just not as big of a character trait as it is in the comic so but that I mean Taurus suns also have that capacity it's not just Taurus moon so I could see Mm -hmm. him being a Taurus sun. Yeah. Yeah. And they like, they're really great at observing. And so like when he's sort of giving the background on Riverdale, a lot of those um, background scenes include him just being a creeper watching in the background. So I would say that is like, that tracks with being a Taurus sun. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, I think one of the reasons why Tauruses can be good at observing is like Tauruses like embody like the five senses in a lot of ways. You know, oh. I think that's why like hedonism can be associated with like Taurus placements is because oh. yeah, um, it's just seeing and feeling and hearing and all these kinds of things and so um just being really really in tune with like, your surroundings can be like mm. for sure like Taurus sun got it wow i like that cool. me too okay so last but not least josie mm. oh so. can i say something first before you share yours yeah yeah I just wanted to say that, um, I don't know if we mentioned it, but Josie, like, out of our list is the only, um, like, Black female character, and the other ones, like, we didn't say that, like, Archie is white, Betty is white, Veronica is um, supposed to be Latina. We, I, I don't know if they ever declare, like, where her family is from, but they, they, they do don't. they don't like veronica yeah i mean it's she's supposed to be latina and Mm -hmm. the actress herself is of brazilian descent Mm -hmm. but her the characters that play the actors that play her father and mother are latino or latin Mm -hmm. latinx and with archie you know archie definitely 100 percent plays a white character but you know he's half samoan and it is a bummer that they don't work that into like his character totally totally and then like jughead is also white so you know i think i think that's the only thing too i wanted to point it out because um just like with literature a lot of people think like the default is white all characters are white narrators white and so i thought we should at least say it just because <laughs> that, that way we all know like um we understand that some of the characters, like especially the BIPOC characters, are inhabiting a very white world. Um, and in many ways, like we all do. And so I just really, really wanted to make sure we uh, talk about Josie because I think she is an important character and it's really, it's really fucked up that they, um, as we have said, fade into the background. I think this should be Riverdale's new tagline, Riverdale, where characters fade to the background. <laughs> 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 we could design the graphics for them because <laughs> all the, the people of color <laughs> yes tell us your Josie um big three Josie's big three okay I, I think it's so freaking hilarious because now I'm looking and I'm like oh my god this is the exact same big three as Veronica you know both of them were like Archie's love love interest at a time but in different order so I put as it for Josie I put her as a Leo sun mm-hmm. a Libra moon and a Capricorn mm-hmm. rising Ooh. Can you say it one more time? I put her as a Leo Sun. Okay. A Libra Moon. Okay. And a Capricorn Rising. All right. Okay. Tell us yeah. why. So I put her as a Leo Sun because, you know, obviously she's a great performer, likes to be center stage. I thought that kind of tracks. Um, you know, I put her, I'm skipping around a bit, I put her as a Capricorn rising because I think she's got, I mean, she's clearly just got, like, that drive to just, like, really mm-hmm. kind of, like, go after, like, what she wants, like, she kind of knows what she wants, like, you know, she decides, like, she wants a solo career, she kind of goes and does that, she's very intentional, um, I mean, this is influenced by her parents, but I think it's also something she, like, super believes in, but just, um, 
black excellence, I think is the term that they use. Like mm-hmm. it's all about like black excellence is just why, um, yeah, she, and I think it's cool knowing that like in Katie Keene, which I haven't seen yet, like she has a black producer. So that's kind of cool. Um, so, um, and then I put her as a Libra moon because, um, you know, despite all that, despite like knowing like what she wants and just kind of going after it and just kind of being like a leader, like in her life and like with her group, like, she still has people pleasing tendencies, just like crowd pleasing for sure. Mm -hmm. And there is just an extent that we have to do that as performers. But um, sometimes it is just kind of really hard to watch just like how much she like really tries to please both her father and her mother. And they have really impossible standards that they like kind of really like put on her. They're like really hard on her. And she instead, you know, instead of being like, these are impossible standards, she's just like down on herself about it, you know, and just keeps trying to just, you know, please them. I see that. I totally see that. Um, I I use the same like evidence or the same support, but I chose different signs. Okay. Um, but I, I do agree. I did write down Leo Sun. I see that for sure. Just like um, when the spotlight is on, that they could tr- that she could turn it on if she needs to. Um, and sometimes I did see kind of what you're describing in Josie, just that Josie exhibits this um, almost like a quiet strength um, and is very considerate of what the people around her need and is definitely like responsible to her parents who have raised her and have in many ways like given her music. Um, There definitely is a lot of control on her parents' part. Like they want her to do certain kinds of things. Like when um, the father is upset that she was singing like, what was it like, like pop music and not jazz or not um, what he does basically. And uh, I thought it was really strange that he was more upset about that and not the fact that like, I don't know. I just thought it was strange too that like um, they're performing and they had these like super bodycon like cheetah leotards on. And I was like, oh, like, like definitely like their butt cheeks are out, you know? And I thought, uh, wow, everyone is just like having a good time. And I'm not trying to body shame, but I would feel some type of way if my like 15, 16 year old daughter was doing this and didn't tell me at least what she was wearing. Like, I would just want to know right? <laughs> and just be like, do you want to do this at your school's like talent show or something? You know, like, mm-hmm. do you want to do this here? Um, but then again, I don't know, maybe I need to push back on that too, because in some ways I can be approved, but um mm. <laughs> I put her as a um you know and with a Capricorn rising it would put her son in the eighth house just like I did with like Betty you know and <laughs> just so just yeah just some of the p- control and just like the power dynamics like especially with like her father and stuff were like mm. totally there I felt like um yeah yeah, yeah. I put her as a Pisces moon I don't okay. know what do you think about that I could see that yeah I, I, what did you, what did you put for her, uh, so you put her as a Leo sun, and then what did you put for her rising? I put a Leo rising too, but I really like the idea of what you said, a Capricorn rising. I like that better than mine. I think it's because I wasn't sure. Maybe I don't really believe that she's a Leo rising, but definitely Leo sun, um, because I, there were moments where I thought, yeah, like to other people, she does kind of present as the leader. But now that I think about it, they only see her not as a leader, but as the lead singer, which is not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the Capricorn Rising tracks better because she does have full control over the group, but also like um, she doesn't necessarily say 
why she wants to be the only person singing on certain things. Like when her and Valerie, when Valerie leaves the group and Valerie comes back, do you remember that episode? Yeah. And then Valerie's like, you have to let me, I'll come back on the condition that you let me sing the lead on some of the songs. And then um, Josie's like, yes, co-lead. And then they hug and agree. And I thought, that is so strange. Like, why would you be okay with that? Like, you didn't, you didn't get everything you wanted, Valerie, you know? And Josie, you're only shortchanging one of your really good friends. Like, why? So the Capricorn rising tracks better. But. <laughs> I don't know. I also, I think that whole scene where they're wearing the leotard cheetah things, I thought, why is the dad mad? Like, it still wasn't clear to me why he was so upset. Do you remember why? No, and I I almost kind of like the lack of clarity in it, just because, yeah, I feel like just with toxic parents sometimes, like, it's just like, it's not logical, right? Yeah, you're right. It's about power and control. Yes, he probably has what um, Betty's dad, Hal, has. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I want to hear more about why, why you thought she's a Pisces moon. Oh, um, because I think of, like, Pisces, like, they have a deep sense of loyalty, also commitment, and maybe that's a water sign thing. Um, but I also was thinking about how she... Um, like, what is it? Like, is in some ways, she was like really idealistic about the importance of the group and the importance of the group to her parents. But like, I think what they all missed in that um, dynamic is that Josie is what's most important in their family. You know, like making sure her well-being is, is okay, making sure that she's doing fine, that her friends are still her friends, right? Like that, that should be the center. But for some reason, I think she used, and all of them kind of used music and the group as sort of like a um, a lens or like a smokescreen for what really needed to be cared about, which is each other. So I thought she's keeping up the appearances of the group to maintain this idealistic sense of like, I'm I'm doing well, I'm a leader, and I'm I can be a great performer. And they all, her mom and dad, really bought into that idea that Josie, the singer was their daughter and not Josie the daughter was a singer you know so it's so real that's what I thought (laughs) yeah no it's a good one I mean I I still like her as a Libra moon but I think that's like a really good Mm. argument for like Pisces moon like I don't like I I think she could be a Pisces man like I don't like just completely super disagree with it or anything yeah I like the Libra moon too because it would explain why she has a hard time like trying to like like she kind of like leads people to things but she doesn't just like tell them Um, yeah yeah, which I experience sometimes as a labor rising like I want to tell people exactly what I think but I also want to consider that perhaps this is not the right time the place or their feelings are not there yet so yeah she's in a tough place I'm glad she like finally like moves to New York and does the thing of committing to her art so I know. I really (laughs) hope, I know, maybe we'll do a season two, Katie Keen. Yeah, I really, really hope it's on Netflix or somewhere, like, it's, like, stream it, so we'll see. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up, Katie Keen. Hopefully, or we can find, like, some bootleg version, Uh, (laughs) because uh, I forgot to mention that, like, uh, Riverdale is on Netflix, so if folks are using Netflix, like, please watch it. I mean, please watch it if you're looking for something, like, trashy and potentially mindless. Um, 
And if you don't have Netflix, like, please, like, if you do, please share it with a friend who will want to use it and share. So let's do that. Let's crowdsource all of our passwords and usernames with their Yes, constantly promoting, <laughs> sharing is caring. Yes, and not as theft, but our sharing. Sharing. Awesome. Okay, let's, um, are we ready to move into our readings for the week? Yes, let's do it. Okay, so I think the big thing, the big astrology thing this week was the new moon in Virgo, and we're still coming out of, I mean, we're still dealing with Mars retrograde. We're going to deal with Mars retrograde in, like, a couple of weeks. Um, I had, like, exes and near exes come back. <laughs> um, because... Can you please tell, can you please, I mean, you don't have to say everything, right? But I was super curious about those tweets, like, you don't have to say who or, or, or anything. I'm, de I'm definitely not going to say who, because who knows who listens to this podcast. But it is, like, people from, like, college time. I was like, geez, like, where do these people come from? And it's nothing, you know, it wasn't like they came back and were like, I love you, Hella. I've loved you yeah. all these years. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, I think people are fucking bored, which is even just more annoying somehow. It's just like, really? Like, you're, I just, just have a feeling, I'm sure, just like the quarantine is just making me feel yeah. just bored. Um, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I, um, and not to say Mars retrograde is going to bring back exes for everyone, it, but it'll, it's very high chance for someone like me who's a Taurus rising and my mm -hmm. seventh house of close relationships is ruled by Mars. So here we are. Mm -hmm. But no, enough about Mars retrograde. <laughs> um, we're Yeah, I'm sure some of you all are still kind of just feeling it, but I did want to talk about this new moon in Virgo um, because... Um, you know, Janice, you were sharing earlier to me that you felt like some people were, like, really liking this new moon. Fucking and thriving. Some, and some people really thriving, some people not, right? Where were you yeah. in that spectrum? Um, I think I, maybe in the middle of, like, something started to become a little more stable. Maybe, like, to, I mean, what does it mean to be, like, stable in crisis, right? Like, that's probably what I was feeling when the new moon went Virgo. I yeah. think that's a perfect way to kind of sum up this new moon. It's on one hand, it is just completely away from a lot of the messy parts of the astrology right now. So we have Saturn, Jupiter, and Pluto and Capricorn, which has been wrecking everyone's life for like the past year. And then now we have Mars retrograde and Aries. And then we also have, um, wait, I think that's it. Uh, pretty much near <laughs> I mean those though that that's already a lot as it is and those Capricorn and Aries are cardinal signs right so you've got this like um full or this new moon in Virgo that's an immutable sign so it's kind of clear from all of that so I think for those who are thriving or just doing kind of well or even just for you just kind of describing this kind of like quote unquote like stabilization um I think that's some of it. I think the fact that this new moon is just like full clear away from that stuff is nice. The moon is, was also um, making a trine aspect with all the Capricorn too. So um, actually it was like exactly trying to Saturn in Capricorn. And so I think, I mean? yes, think, thanks for asking. So no, it's Can like I, when, okay. um, it's when the planets make a, um, like about 120 or 120 degrees away, like in the circular chart. And so, um, trines are, are positive things. It's positive aspects. It means like, um, in this case, the new moon. So it's like when new moons happen, it means like the sun and the moon are coming together. So they were both in like Virgo, like in the exact same mm -hmm. spot. And 
now they're also mm -hmm. like exactly like 120 degrees away from this Saturn and Capricorn. And so when planets trine one another, it means that they work together in like achieving their goals. And so if new moons represent like new beginnings and then Saturn kind of represents, um, represents like hard things like discipline and boundaries but it also represents like long-term results and like really mm. like trying to build like a legacy then I think for those especially for those who are like kind of thriving or finding kind of finding that stabilization like this new moon is a kind of a good opportunity to really kind of think about like okay um maybe there can be some despite every all the chaos just kind of happening maybe there is some like stabilization or peace in trying to think of the long term or just thinking kind of beyond this current moment got it i was yeah. gonna make a quick pun can i do that now yes <laughs> i was gonna say when i asked you what a trine was it was because i was trying to understand <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, we cannot have a Panay podcast without some puns, and Janice is really good at them. I just love puns. They don't come as often for me anymore, but I had to do it. I'm sure someone has already come up with that, right? Like someone has to. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I was in a, um, so, you know, for like, those Filipinx who are philams with like and go to American colleges, you may or may not have gone to a university that celebrated Filipino cultural nights or <laughs> Filipino cultural celebrations, which are basically these like plays slash musical and dance performance nights. <laughs> anyway, Janice wrote one, she co-wrote one, and I acted in it. I acted as one of the main characters' moms, and she oh wrote in this the, so the main character so my daughter in the play was a poet and she had all these puns about what <laughs> and poet <laughs> oh man which still remains one of my favorite puns like until today and i have seen other like philippinex poets do it on twitter like they'll they'll make jokes about being a poet and i just think it's so funny um because i don't know if people know but what does what does what mean paula <laughs> you can you can share it for them janice or we can just let people look it up let's do that people have to ask okay. like hey what does what mean and just know like it's okay to ask but maybe just ask like a close friend yeah, yeah. don't what ask like your like Filipino teacher or you know your coworker who you're not very close with. Please don't do that. Yeah, ask a boss. good friend or Google yeah. it. Ask a real friend, and if they don't want to answer, it's okay. Don't don't. <laughs> if they laugh, okay. it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were gonna bring that one up. I just knew it. I knew you were gonna bring that one up. It's always what I'm gonna think about. Um, let me just close up this talk about the new moon in Virgo. So, like, as I said, yeah, so it's, it's, it's trying to make a, oh, it's trying, it's trining, Sat it trines Saturn, and I think the next big astrological thing happening in September, on September 28th, is Saturn stations direct, and we talked last week about, like, planets stationing retrograde, planets stationing direct. I'll talk more about the Saturn stationing direct next week, but... That trying aspect, I feel like if, like, again, if, like, new moons are just, like, kind of about these, like, new beginnings, like, what kind of seeds are we sowing right now? And then now we have, like, Saturn then stationing direct in the next, like, 
like about a week and a half from now. Um, yeah, I think it's just kind of like, again, just like, what are we really trying to like kind of sow for the long term? What are we hoping to reap? Not like even like a year from now, but potentially years from now. Mm, wow. I like that. I think that helps just like provide some kind of guidance um, and even like a little bit of hope, right? That what we do now can help us in the future. And I think that kind of foresight is, it's just so needed. Um, yeah, new moon Virgo. I'm going to sit and think more about what that has been like for me, but I think also too, um, how you journal a lot. Yeah. So then that helps you sort of track like what's going on when and during during certain certain parts of your life i um yeah i'm i'm pretty like insane when it comes to my journaling i've been journaling regularly since i was seven years old like i'll do like extensive like kind of entries you know every few days or so um but i also do like shorter daily recaps like every single day i recap nice. things that have happened and it does help a lot with the astrology that's for sure yeah, I really like that. I'm glad you do that. Like to keep up our journaling practice is, is pretty grueling sometimes, especially depending on the shit that happens. So I think it can also be really helpful in these situations because I feel like sometimes when I hear you talk about like the astro weather, I can't help but think like, oh, wow, this is like welcoming and listening or watching a story or movie again um, for like the second or third time in your life and really welcoming that new iteration of what it could mean. So hmm. I really like that. That's a really good point. And again, like we're coming out of a Saturn retrograde. Saturn's been retrograde since the spring now. And so, it, you know, this new moon could also really be inviting you about not just about like what you're going to kind of sow now and reap later, but what was sown earlier, especially over this past few months, like in the midst of pandemic and what is going to kind of start coming to light out of that. Mm, cool. Ugh. What, uh, can I ask you really quick, um, maybe not quick, but what is something that you are hoping to like reap the benefits of for the future that you are putting in work on right now? Good question. Yeah. So I, both for, in terms of just like what was sown in the past and like what I'm sowing now, I felt like really, really came out with this new moon for me. I, you know, I, this week there was a little bit, I don't feel this way too much, but every now and then I'll feel like, oh, should I be doing more? But I've noticed like this past year, every time I find myself thinking that something will kind of just come up organically, not, not because it's like, I'm lucky and it's some opportunity, but no, it's because of just some hard work I'd put in over the past like years. And so in this time around, it was, I, um, I've like a lot of these organizations that I've been working with for years around immigration work have now been popping up and um, are getting a lot of grants from the CARES Act to do COVID relief. And they're now approaching us to partner with them so that we can kind of provide these resources, whether it's like prepared meals or um, help, you know, assistance with applying for like medical coverage and things like that. They're now coming to us and like saying like, hey, we really want to help your members. And like, we have all this money and stuff. And to me, it's like really cool because it's like this wouldn't be happening if it weren't for the work I've put in for many years now, really, really trying to build the relationships with these organizations and the people who work with them. Another really cool thing that kind of came up, and again, this is just like years of just like work and talking about it and thinking about it that I think like now is kind of coming up, but there, I'm really trying to explore op opportunities to use some of the 
empty and unused agricultural land here in Hawaii to um, allow workers who've been laid off, um, especially workers in the tourism industry who've been laid off to farm it and use it. And so I, that one's still in the very, very early works, but again, it's just something that like I've been like talking about or thinking about for years. It's a topic that like, even like, for example, years ago, like me and my ex-husband, my ex-husband was especially super excited about this idea, but like never followed through with it. And now I'm like talking to him about it again. So he's like lending or giving me all the books about like farming cooperatives and stuff that he's looked into. So again, it's just kind of like, okay, it's just like years and years of work. That's kind of finally like kind of turning into something. Hopefully turning yeah. into something. I remember when you all would just like pick hella fruit or like, just like clean up your backyard and just really like, I wouldn't even say like to be a gardener, but I feel like y'all were like, um, like <laughs> your yard was so big. It was like park rangers. I feel like y'all were like, little park rangers trying to figure out what fruit is this and giving away fruit and taking fruit from the neighbors like I feel like all of that um that knowledge comes into play now you know even if it was like um just fruit right it can start to like I don't know forgive the this is not an intended pun but like you get to branch out into other <laughs> forms of agricultural knowledge so um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it, I mean, another, like, kind of cool thing was, like, yeah, on the food distribution, so this, like, nonprofit, this immigration nonprofit approached us saying, like, we really want to distribute, like, cooked meals to your members, but we need you, or, like, we don't have a site for you to do it, you're gonna have to find your own site, and I was like, oh, our office is too small, but... Like, I immediately, like, had a church in mind that, like, is right next to our office. Like, I called the pastor. He took my call. Like, I asked, like, can we use your site? And he immediately said yes. And, again, it's just, like, I've known this man for five years now. And, again, it's just, like, this wouldn't be I, – I couldn't call up just any random church. Like, it's because of this relationships that have been worked on. Nice. I, I want to – I also want to hear, like, what do you, yeah, what, can you answer the question as well? And just, like, what are you hoping to kind of just sow and reap? Yeah, um, I can answer. Um, my answer is about writing, I guess, because um, I've been thinking, I, I had this tweet, I tweeted something, like, last week, this week, when I said I, I, I find that I've reached the Ater Manang stage of my life, where a lot of, like, young Philippinex writers will, like, message me or reference me and will just say hi after Janice, and it's like, oh, shit, like, I, I'm 33, but okay, um, and also I've always been, like, the youngest in my family, like, on both my mom and dad's, and, um, not my stepdad's side, but, you know, I've always felt like the young one, so, um, I thought that was really strange, but I also, I embrace it, I also want, like, I truly want to reach the auntie stage, like, that's what I also tweeted, um, and so I think that one thing I've been working on, like, just, like, Maybe a quick thing is that I've been working on my, like, a young adult novel for, like, the past seven years, and so I finished the manuscript when we started, about the time that we started this podcast, and then um, I was just doing final edits, and I had met two agents, and I sent my work to the two agents, and I haven't heard back yet because I know they probably need time to read, and I'm hoping that that results in one of them wanting to work with me and sign on with me um, so that my book could be, um, published by, like, a major publisher, and so that's my hope. My hope is that it will, um, that will happen, but I also see 
like the efforts like that it's like seven years in the making and I almost feel like the conclusion of working on that project is almost anticlimactic but also right on point with what being a writer is because I think people see the book launches people see the grand announcements people see the reviews and all of the different uh, magazines right um, we see the hype and really it's just writers who are also like loving other writers and then the people who read those writers work also start to sort of like catch that wave you know um because i don't i don't always i i guess i would rather i would rather be more into like um like the work more than like the clout but i think people see the clout more than they see the work so um it's been tough to kind of balance like i've also just been thinking about being the santa clara county poet laureate and how like i hope people know that I have just been doing the same shit for 10 years, reading and writing again and again, going to events. And I, I strive now to go to more events as an attendee than as a reader, because I think um, that helps me really like stay grounded and understanding of what's going on. That's how I meet a lot of other writers and I really become more familiar with their work. So um, I hope that, I don't know, the work just results in more of those same three things, more reading, more writing, and then more community. So that's sort of what I've been thinking about. And in many ways that has been coming back around and I hope it just continues to grow in the future. So that's my answer. <laughs> awesome. I yeah. love it for you. Thanks. I, I think it's like it totally makes sense that you know mercury represents writing in general but mercury also rules like your ninth house and I feel like the ninth house represents some of these long-term like it can represent long-term writing projects mm. and so to have mercury like mercury is in Libra right now and like your first house like in your rising sign and mm. so it just kind of makes sense that like okay like this is kind of coming out now oh nice oh I love it Thanks, pal. You always keep track of my chart and I don't, so <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Any more to add to your, like, astral reading for the week? Nope. I think I'll have a lot more to say about Saturn next week, but that was good for now. Yes, we need it. I'm excited already for that when Saturn stations direct. Um, okay, should I do the, the reading? Yes. Of a poem? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to read a poem about writer's block. Um, like when we were talking about Jughead Jones from Riverdale, he is the narrator for the entire show that starts to come to a head in the later seasons. And this might be the spoiler, but um, he ends up going to a private school and gets a scholarship to be um, a creative writer. And then a whole mystery unfolds about that and how like he doesn't fit in with all of the super elitist private school kids. And there is some representation. There's like one East Asian girl, but of course she plays like uh, the daughter of a diplomat. But anyway, so things like that come up. Um, uh, yeah, the poem is about writer's block. It's called Hourglass Flow by a poet named Derek Weston Brown. Um, the poem comes from his book called Wisdom Teeth. And um, I really, I chose this because I think Derek Weston Brown is just an amazing person. Um, I met him when I was interning and living in Washington, D.C. And so I just wanted to read his bio really quick before I read the poem. Is that okay? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's hella long, so I'm going to like truncate it, but uh, Derek Weston Brown holds an MFA in creative writing from American University. 
Um, he is a graduate of the Kaveh Kanem Summer Workshop for Black Poets and the Vona Summer Workshop. Um, he used to be a uh, poet in residence, poet in residence of Busboys and Poets, which is like one of the best literary spaces in Washington, D.C. That's actually where I met him. Um, he taught poetry and creative writing um, in, to middle schoolers and high schoolers. And I think he actually teaches at the community college level now, like me. So, um, yeah. Derek Weston Brown, um, I used to always run into him at the Teaching for Change bookstore inside of the Bus Boys and Poets restaurant. Um, and so he's just an amazing person. I've run into him at a few, at like a couple of writing conferences and he always stops and like says hi and we like have a full on conversation. You know, like it's not just like, hey, like hope you're doing well. Like we really talk. So um, just like props to Derek Weston Brown. Um, and here's his poem, Hourglass Flow, which is preceded by an epigraph by MF Doom, the MC. Uh, epigraphs, the epigraph says, to write all night long, the hourglass is still slow. Flow from hellborn to free power like Wilco. Um, and then here's the poem. Blame comfort. Blame a city of coffee houses and lounges. Blame ego and pride and all that clever shit. Blame self. Blame the crafty inner child only and his addiction to pleasing like a poet, wanting to sound like a poet. Blame distractions, but again, that brings it all back to self, doesn't it? Blame ritual. Blame fear of failure. Blame the voice in your head that doesn't like you. Blame competition. Blame loathing and book deal envy. Blame the workshop in your head. Blame expectations the size of a pig iron plow. Blame clock faces and hour hands. Blame stuck keys and humming hard drives. Blame that lost hour of slumber. Blame unreadable REM sleep scribble. Then remember the ritual of trying, failing, the get up and dust off. The look to see if anyone is watching. The start over, the hopeful ending. Remember each day is a draft. Remember possibility, process. Remember place, remember voice, patience. Remember to forgive yourself, right. Oh yes, that was Hourglass Flow by Derek Weston Brown. Um, I chose this poem because, again, like Riverdale is narrated by a young writer. I think that's super important to say. Um, Jughead is writing and narrating the story of his life and his friend's experiences, again, like through the lens of a mystery plot. Um, I'm going to jump around here in my notes, but I think like just to like tie up the Riverdale thing, it leads me to believe that everything we watch in Riverdale is written in like a very present tense, but essentially like because it's being written, which is slower than our lives, it has already happened. So really we're watching something past tense. And I think that's how we get trapped in that like past and present continuum or the timelessness of Riverdale. Um, and so Riverdale, like this poem, I think has a timelessness to it. Uh, I think writers and poets do this, like they, I think they purposefully choose things, um, to choose to write things in a timeless way, um, because they want to make it readable, like across generations, across audiences, 
Um, and sometimes this work uh, transcends political and social constructions of time. So like what readability or what um, timelessness looks like in some short stories or novels looks like is like when it doesn't mention, for example, like a Sega Genesis or an iPod or, um, you know, uh, obsolete forms of technology. If the absence of technology is present in that sort of story or that world, it then creates a timelessness because the time, the time of the world isn't um, like restricted to those sort of name brands that may no longer exist. So I really like that because it chooses to create like another life. Um, I like this poem too for the repetition of the word blame or the anaphora of the word blame. And I think that's what happens with writer's block, right? Like we, sometimes we feel like we can't write something because so many things are getting in the way, whether it's like, um, you know, like your own voice, the workshop in your head, as he says. Um, everything is responsible in writer's block, but nothing is accountable, so, which means like you could write about everything, but nothing really comes or presents itself as like the thing to write about. Um, so I think this poem is about what happens when you don't want to keep writing, but you just keep going. Um, sort of like free writing or journaling, like it, it really does like require some kind of endurance to like burn the midnight oil, as people say. Um, and let's see, I think that like as a conclusion, the hourglass flow is about writing and how writer's block is not a block. Like it's really an active form of being. Um, and so I think we really see that because by the end of the poem, the blame almost dissipates and then the blame shifts into memory and like remembering self, remembering why we write, remembering purpose. Um, and so I think that is also something that the young characters in Riverdale and a lot of young people are trying to figure out is like, what is the purpose? What is going on? Um, what is our role in all of this? And so even though, yes, Riverdale is trash, uh, and I hate to <laughs> conflate it with the poem, but I think uh, even though there are some things we have to sift through and work through, um, we're really just like trying to figure out like, what is the thing that most concerns us? And um, in Riverdale, you have... So many young people who are literally asserting themselves into that narrative, which I think is really powerful. So that's my take on Hourglass Flow by Derek Weston Brown. <laughs> I like this poem. I hope it's inspiring or insightful to the writers who may, or, you know, aspiring writers who may be listening to this. I, I liked it. I mean, I, I, I could feel just like the guilt and but also just the frustration and just the constant repetition of blame that just kind of comes with <laughs> when, yeah, when you have like quote unquote writer's block. And I do love that you said that it's not a block. It is just part of the process in some ways. But I think um, viewing it as a block can just kind of add to that just like frustration. Mm -hmm. um, I like that he's, it's funny that he says blame ritual and then like ends it with remember the ritual because, and yeah. I like that he uses the word ritual instead of routine, which I feel like yeah. comes up a lot in writing circles or just like a lot of circles or writing circles, which is like, just gotta get in the routine, just gotta like put writing in your routine and stuff. And not that I, I actually really like routines. I love routines, but I know a lot of people can be really averse to them. I just wonder how much more welcoming it could be if people think of it more as just like a ritual rather than a routine which sounds like something like you have to do or like an obligation yeah yeah ritual seems to have more intention more purpose more meaning to and like as the 
creator of that ritual um, and also the person who follows it, right? Like you get to set what those meanings are. Um, and it just, I think like when I like started going to writing workshops um, by like various poets, um, I started to realize like, oh shit, they are all talking about writing as a ritual, you know? Um, and that sort of meant like, oh yeah, like this is a very sacred practice. Um, and it is something that is active. Like I think one of the, I remember I went to a workshop where um, the poet had us like stretch first. <laughs> they had us like move around and, and like do like this like group dance. Um, that they used to do when they were kids, you know? And so we were doing that and I was like, oh yeah, like this is a very, like writing is also about movement because we have to sit, like we have to force ourselves to sit or stand to write this. And so why not like, like get the blood flowing before then? So yeah, hourglass flow. It's also about time, right? But not about like the minute hand or like the like, uh, almost like the staccato of a second hand. It is about an active like grains of sand falling through. Um, like this, like time capsule. So hourglass flow. I like it. I've been thinking a lot about ritual lately, actually, because I was listening to another podcast called the happiness lab. And uh -huh. I think it's, I, I love the happiness lab. And there was an episode on rituals and it was basically saying like, you know, just so many studies show that rituals are just like a really important part of processing grief. And mm -hmm. I, and it doesn't matter whether it's some kind of like long-standing tradition or communal rituals, such as funerary rites, it could, you could literally make shit up and turn it into a ritual and it'll be a thing. And that writing in itself can be a ritual. I last week realized, or this two weeks ago already, I, yeah, two weeks ago, I realized that a lot of like the anger and resentment I've been like feeling, especially when Mars stationed retrograde, um, is very much linked with just grief that I have over a childhood I deserved but like never got or about past relationships. And so I wrote eulogies for all of those things. And then I was like, I'm just gonna make a ritual for this. So, like I burned them and you know, I was just making shit up along the way. I was like, you know, let's sprinkle some salt on this. And I was like, oh, I want the fire to smell nice. So I'm gonna put some cinnamon, <laughs> sprinkle yeah. some cinnamon. Um, you know, I read the I read the eulogies first before burning them, and then like I burned them, and then like I went to the beach and just like scattered their ashes, and then just kind of like had like a little little funeral for wow. things I'm really sad about. Wow, that's so beautiful. I I don't know if I would have ever heard you say that anytime before this one. You know, I don't know if you would have done that even like a year ago, two years ago. No, definitely wow. not. This has been a year getting in touch with my feels. Mm, how do you feel after doing it? Good. It was just so, it was very, very cathartic. I like was crying on the way, like the drive back, as I would imagine, you know, many people would, you know, if they're like in the real loss of life, right? Like after coming off back from a funeral or something. And then I got home and I, I've been learning guitar. So I picked up guitar, my guitar and just like, I learned you know, a new sad song and then played it. And I felt, I felt, I actually feel really, really good now after doing that. It was a really good okay. ritual. You like literally made space for like the new things to come. I really like that. Wow, pal. Thanks for sharing that with us. Of course, my cancer mood is like, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Should we do our shout outs? Yes. 
I'll go first. <laughs> Shout out to my internal body clock for waking me up in time for this podcast recording because I did not set my actual alarm clock last night, but I miraculously <laughs> woke up 40 minutes before we were supposed to record this anyway. So shout out to that. I love it. Um, I'm going to throw in shout out to Ritual. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Shout out to, this is like a real shout out. This is not in any way like a, um, <laughs> a paid plug or anything, but I want to shout out to Honeycomb Planners so there, or Honeycomb Almanacs. You, like I'm showing this to Janice over Zoom right now, and like my virtual background is not showing what I want to show to her. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, um, but none of you can see this any regardless. But yeah, for those listening, honeycomb planners, you can order these like customizable astrology planners. And I actually really use mine more as a journal, but shout out to them because I it was just kind of nice to be able to open something up, you know, as I'm preparing for talking about the new moon in Virgo and seeing like, oh yeah, this and this planet's here and like that and that planet and like the new moon happened at this and this time, Hawaii time. So nice. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm gonna do a shout out to um, like we were talking about Barocco coffee beans last week. Tell me why one of my former students has since started his own um, Barocco coffee bean business and is working with growers in the Philippines to make sure that they get a portion of all of the profits. So I'll have more information soon on like that. But yeah, shout out to him and to that whole um, business endeavor. So. Good. I wanna I wanna put an order in as soon as that's <laughs> available. So keep yeah. us posted. I will. Um, last but not least, shout out to Ube because mm. I think we we're constantly talking about it in this episode. Whether it's Ube cheesecake or hopefully this Ube leche flan that I had to make or want to really make later on. Like, no, Ube is amazing. Mm, I like that. Let's end it there. Shout out to Ube. I'm with that. <laughs> awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Yes. Bye. Bye.